welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Good morning, everybody, and a very warm welcome to the Property Portfolio podcast. And good morning to you, Nigel. Good morning, Mark. What a lovely day it is today as well. And uh, really really looking forward to talking about, what is it? Joint ventures. Joint ventures. Fantastic. Wow, we've been been involved in joint ventures for about 30 years now and uh, really important. And we do see an awful lot of joint ventures in the property world and in business. I mean, it really does help accelerate and promote people's businesses and they can just be fantastic. But of course, with with any upside, there's always things to look out for as well. So this session is going to be a real eyes wide open on some of our experiences and really passing some more golden nuggets to you to make you as safe as you possibly can be as you seize those opportunities of joint ventures. And uh, I guess we're a, well, we think we're a pretty good example, Nigel, of a, a joint venture. Our, our two families have been working together now for for many, many years. Yes, I think it goes back to kind of 97, Mark, you know, it's 1997. Gosh, it seems an eternity, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I think it's, you know, joint ventures are an alignment of many things. It's not just, I'll bring this and you'll bring that. It's It's got to be kind of, chemistry values you know discipline all those sort of aspects all come into it don't they and it's 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 really important that you kind of understand you know each other um be it individuals be it companies that are coming together but just understand where the values are really and just make sure there is a true an absolute true alignment um you know if you if you get a disalignment then unfortunately it's going to come out at some point it's just the inevitability of what we do, what we do is something over a long period of time. And it just gives, you know, if it is over that period of time, it gives the, uh, I guess, the maturity of that relationship to to come out. And it will, you know, will over the time and it can, can cause, you know, some problems. But equally, you know, it, 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 it binds people together. And it's, you know, as in our case, it's been over many tens of years. So, uh, yeah. No, that's fantastic. And uh, well, we're, we're here recording live, but uh, yesterday we, uh, our, our joint venture, our, our combined families, we we completed on not just one but two transactions, didn't we? We did, we did. We, um, you know, must admit, you know, last year we, you know, we've done a number of purchases within our pension, and we, you know, we wholly take on the responsibility of that duty of enabling our pension to grow. You know, not only for our lifetime, but obviously future generations and so on and so forth. But, you know, we were, we, we kind of promised ourselves, Mark, didn't we, that we wouldn't jump into anything. We knew our, our responsibility was there to, you know, to, to make our pension pot grow, but um, we didn't want to just leap and bound into opportunities here, there. And we wanted to wait and we wanted to wait for the, the, the opportune moments to come along and when it was right, then we would go for it. And and we were probably a little bit behind the curve in terms of our our strategy. You know, we wanted to kind of do one a year, didn't we? You know, and I'm sure the listeners have probably um, 
you heard about our portal precinct acquisition, which was like two or three years ago now. So, you know, we had a year of a bit of a drought, but, you know, thankfully Runfold came along and it was it was two opportunities. So that kind of filled the gap, you know, and got us back on track, which was just fantastic. And, um, you know, it's a lovely deal. It's been enabled by our pension and our pension <clears throat> in its own right is a joint venture, is it not? It's a mm-hmm. joint SAS. Yeah. You know, the two families have come together to join the pot together to enable, you know, some wonderful things to to happen. And, um yeah, Runfold is is the example, isn't it? Up and running, brilliant. And we're going to be doing lots of features on that and and our Equa Earn and Learn uh, mentees. I mean, they're going to be coming across to uh, to the uh, to the site, and indeed, people on our thirteen week program. We've Absolutely. got our, our site visit, and yeah, um, so that's going to be great just to show yes. people. And I think people want to see that that tangibility and. You know, kick the tires on something after a year of being cooped up indoors. So really looking forward to getting the hard hat on and the the boots and the high vis vest and, yeah. and seeing people in the coming weeks. So uh, really, really looking forward to that. Really good. So joint ventures, joint ventures. I mean, uh, I was I was just thinking um, just as I was preparing a few notes here. Yeah, you know, my my first joint venture I was ever involved in, uh, Nigel, was 1992. 1992. It was the winter of 1992, and it was in in the US. It was at Lock and Dam 16 on the the Mississippi in Muscatine, Iowa, and it was like minus 20 wind chill. And and this was a joint venture project between the main contractor I was working with and the US Army Corps of Engineers. Now, if ever there was going to be a culture clash you know, that is two very different cultures. One of very high, well, both actually are very highly disciplined environments, um, but coming from very different angles. And it was fascinating. That was my first major contract I was ever involved in in my working life. Yeah. So what a what a great kind of birth there was uh, for, for me into, into business. And my my second one was was actually the the, the business you and I ended up working with together and meeting mm-hmm. um, was a joint venture between David McCourt's business, McCourt, and Peter Kiewit and Sons, Kiewit, McCourt Kiewit International, which became MKI. Yeah. So we were engaged, we probably didn't realise it at the time, but that was a massive joint venture mm-hmm. that turned into a half a billion US dollar business okay. um, with, uh, with David McCourt, who's now a, a multi-billionaire. He is. He is, absolutely. Uh, my my recollection uh, uh, of, of joint ventures really goes back probably to when I was about 14. That was my first joint venture when I was 14 years of age. Um, only a few years ago. But, yeah. And um, a friend of mine, we, we, were, we, were, we didn't realise it, we were kind of petrol heads at the time. <laughs> and we, we did a joint venture in the construction of a go-kart. Okay, so... So the idea was that we would, you know, weekends after school, that sort of thing, we kind of get together. We bought a, a big old 250cc Villiers engine and we, we built the frame of this go-kart and, and you know, pop the engine on and make it. The thing is, it was, a, it was misaligned. <clears throat> the joint venture was misaligned. And I only realised that kind of now. And what basically what was happening was we'd done, we pulled together this joint venture. I was doing all the work. <laughs> So I was spending my nights 
you know, evenings and what have you, you know, working the grease monkey type thing on this go-kart, welding the frame and getting it all finished. And my mate was like swanning off doing other things, you know. And and there was there was a misalignment there. There was a misalignment. And but when it came to the go-kart was finished and all ready to go, um, he kind of took the lion's share of the uh, of the time on the go-kart. <laughs> so I kind of missed out on that. But you know, so that was kind of a bit of a bit of a note for Nigel that you know it has to be aligned. If you're going into something and you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. You know. But it's a bit of fun, but that was uh, that was my first experience. The second, like like yourself, Mark, um, was certainly a um, well, probably one before I was actually I joined one. Um, I was I was doing a uh, I was working for a, an M and E contractor actually. We were doing a, a quite a major construction project in London, and unfortunately, the contractor I was working for um, got. Um, overstretched on other contracts up, up in the north, um, et cetera, et cetera. And they actually went bust. So I was down in London with other colleagues and we kind of joined forces and we created another company and we worked directly for the main contractor to, to finish the project off. We, we employed 170 people, you know, we were paying wages, we were buying materials. And it, it went from kind of nothing as an employee to, to a joint venture around four people. And, um, but, but the, the pressures, you know, we've, we've all just lost a job, <laughs> basically. We were stranded on a project, but there was an opportunity. And, and really the alignment of those four interests were, were very strong, you know, and it, it worked really well and we got it finished and we, we went on to do different things, obviously, but, but that was really good. And that was a true alignment, but under, you know, deep pressure, how to pay the mortgage every month equally you know all these sort of things and we just came together did it got it done and then we went off to do our own thing so that was a that was probably the second and the third like yourself you know with when we joined forces into the into the group um you know and created that that wonderful experience um in a plc which was just great yeah ah, brilliant well over the over the years all of that that learning we've had um and Nigel, we, we've been dropped in some pretty horrendous war zones, really. We've both been corporate troubleshooters for many years. So we've we've had the real pleasure of seeing things, some of the examples we've we've just mentioned have going really well. And and in fact, we've we've made a substantial amount of returns on, on things yeah. going really well. But we've also had to deal with the aftermath of things probably not being very thoughtfully considered. And um and that can be a pretty horrendous situation, can't it? When you've got things that are starting to unravel. And quite often, there are some common traits. There are some common reasons. And we've not just been dragged into those situations or parachuted in to solve them once or twice, you know, many, many times across our corporate career. So you can see trends emerging. Um, and we use, a, we use a system called Covered, C-O-V-E-R-E-D. And covered, it's just it's an, ac- an acronym of some of the things that you might consider when you're considering going into a joint venture. Don't go into it lightly. They can be absolutely phenomenal and they can really make your car go you know, significantly faster, to quote the, the phrase of Frank Williams. Um, but there are things that you do need to do properly. So covered, shall we start with the first one? C. So C is for contracts and structure. Well, I'll tell you what, 
we've 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 had to unravel some pretty horrendous situations and i think that for me is top of the list you know lack of contracts whether that be a shareholder agreement a formal um a formal contract the structure of which you have those shareholders and contracts and it is something that when we look at joint ventures now, and we're doing quite a lot of joint ventures, aren't we? We spend a lot of time, don't we, with our professional team yeah. to make sure it works for all parties, not just for us, but for all parties. Absolutely. And I, and I think there's something called um, heads of terms. So, you know, it's it's a, it's the principle. It's a single sheet of paper, essentially, but it, it, it defines the principles of the agreement between the two parties. And it's a really useful document, actually. And, and very fundamental when you're going into contract. So you, you agree at your level, at a non-legal level, what each party is going to do. And you agree it in your words. And then that way you can then share that that information with the respective legal parties. And then they could kind of turn it into the legalese, if you like, that uh, that sits behind the words. But I think it fundamentally that's that's a good starting point. If you don't have that and you then just go into legals, you know, the first of all, the lawyers are disconnected because they're not sure exactly what's been agreed. And and they're each individual's duty is there to protect their client. So you can imagine this creates a, a whole enormous you know war zone i suppose of, of legal banter backwards and forwards backwards and forwards and it it can just extend the time period etc so heads of terms i think is really really important you know to, for two parties three parties four parties to sit around the table virtually or otherwise and just agree you know the principles of what you're going to go into the joint venture uh, on the basis of really yeah i think that's a, a fantastic piece of advice it could be quite over overwhelming for some people thinking contracts i mean we would use a, a an experienced quantity surveyor maybe for property contracts um, from a legal perspective lawyers but to actually sit down face to face with your with your joint venture partner and just sketch it out on a blank sheet of paper. What do we both want out of it? How are we going to structure? And then leave the legal profession to put it into, into legalese. I think that's a, a brilliant idea. And that heads of terms, we've been asked quite a lot, you know, what are you know, can we have a template of heads of terms? And and really, you know, it's what both parties want out of it, isn't it? What we're putting in, what we're putting out, how we're going to do it. Um, so the layman's language of, of uh, heads of terms is is the is the advantageous part of it. You can get creative and leave leave the lawyers for the detail. Absolutely, very much. So, so that's uh, that's the power of contracts. You must have your contract button down um, structures. I guess the phrase that we use time and time again is ask the tough questions in the good times. And when you're putting a contract together, the heads of terms can be a great document to put together. It's really quite inspiring. Um, but when the lawyers then get involved, they're going to start asking those tough questions. And you want to be in a, a good frame of mind when you're when you're considering those. You know, we we had a, a joint venture where uh, one of our business partners uh, sadly passed away. You know, what happens if I die is most definitely a, a tough question to ask in the good times. Um, what happens if we fall out? What happens if there are two parties and we both own 50% of the company? What happens if we don't agree on something? Circumstances change. Um, I think I think it's always interesting to see people's behaviour. It could be at the pub or a dinner party or whatever. You know, when people have had a drink 
um, some people change, don't they? Some people get a bit leery, some people funny, some people fall asleep. Um, some people, you know, it affects people in different ways. We've definitely seen over the years people change under pressure and stress, don't they? One person's pressure is another person's stress and, and their reactions. So, you know, when you see people on uh, social media, you know, the highly opinionated, picking a fight on with people on social media, you know who you are. Um, you know, that, uh, that area, when you've got a tough situation in a company, you want everybody in the trenches together, you know, solving the problem. Um, but when you've got that opinionated nature and people reacting different under pressure. So if you've met somebody recently at a networking event and you're thinking of linking pinkies and walking into the sunset together, you know, just consider these these aspects of, of people's persona. Yeah, yeah. It's probably more recently, Mark, we, um, we got introduced to a the concept of uh, wealth dynamics, didn't we? And uh, what a fascinating thing that was. And uh, believe it or not believe it, you know, it's one of those situations. But it was quite quite intriguing, the process. And, um, you know, on the, as, a, as a concept, you know, to create a, a joint venture that's, that's I guess, complementary to each other and within, you, you can't need people that sit at different ends of the spectrum. So, for instance, you might, you might, you know, if, if it's a if it's a promotional business, you might need somebody who's very comfortable with, you know, doing the promotion of the business and driving all those sort of things. But you equally probably on the opposite end of the scale need somebody that's going to lock into the detail. Probably more introverted opposed to extra, extroverted. You know, there might be, you know, on the other end, you might be people that just want to create loads of lists and a real got a huge momentum in terms of getting stuff done, you know, whereas others don't, you know, and it, it's just understanding, I guess, where you sit amongst the people, where you sit and if there's any gaps, you know, and there's nothing wrong, you know, there's no right or there's, there's absolutely no wrong in what people do and what they like to do. You know, I think we'd all agree we probably overperform in things that we like to do, opposed to okay perform things that we don't like to do. You know, so so it's that it's just understanding that dynamic, and you know, there's all these kind of concepts you've got to consider as you're kind of walking down the aisle <laughs> with a potential joint venture partner. You know, just to see where that that blend of attitude and um, contribution, if you like, actually sits into. This, this business that you, you're going to take forward. Yeah. So it's um, interesting. Uh, the, the wealth dynamics profiling that you mentioned, we've done psychometric testing for you know, donkey's years yeah. in corporate life, but that was the first time that really brought it, really brought it home on a personal level, on an interactive level. Yeah. Um, the others were, were very dry. Um, but yeah, so um, it's a great way of getting to know um your joint venture partners and, uh, and and actually yourself if you've yeah. not done it before yeah um and you'll find out why you were frustrated that somebody else maybe couldn't do what you thought they should be doing and that's you know, this round pig square hole comes to mind yeah yeah it is and you know just using it and I, I take that point actually you, you, it was interesting for me personally because i I kind of understood myself and I went, you know what, that is actually me. <laughs> you know, when I when I read the report, I thought, yeah, that is 
which is great because that's that's almost like the acceptance and the certification, if you like, that you know you you sit in a particular quadrant, and then you need to bring other people in to cover all the other details and and stop trying to bend yourself into being something that you're possibly not as well. So it was it was really a really interesting, and I think you know having done that, and um, you know I'm certainly not promoting it, but I thought it was a really good thing for. Uh, for for what we did, you know, together, and you can see those complementary skills as well across our joint venture partnership. Um, but it was it was just the acknowledgement of that, and I thought it was great. You know, it's really yeah. that's excellent. So um, the other part of the C contracts structure heads of terms is that word structure. And if you've listened to us before, you'll understand that structure, structure, structure is just so important. So typically, a joint venture would be in a limited company, or but not necessarily. I mean, we have a joint venture in a trust in our SAS pension, um, but uh, typically it'd be in a, a limited company or possibly an LLP. So you'd have partners or or, or shareholders and, and and directors in a limited company. But understanding what type of structure you put that in. So Nigel and I might be involved in a property. Uh, but we'll look at the shareholding very different. The shareholding might not be 50-50. The shareholding might be 100% owned by one of our holding companies, which happens to have a shareholding distribution across both of our families, which, again, might not be 50-50. It might be 50-50 across the families, but you know, we'll look at what is the most tax-efficient way of family members having shareholding. And you'll consider things that are different to you. And uh, we have we have very regular meetings with with our accountant. So uh, Nigel, we'll we'll meet with Chris as a minimum once a quarter, won't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. And Chris has an overwatch of our pension as well, as well as all of our companies. So can really understand the the big picture of not just looking at past results, but yeah. forecasting where we're going. So we can make those strategic decisions. It, it's just that it's that moment in time, isn't it, with our accountant that we we just kind of exhale everything that we're doing to him, um, and he can just sit sit back in his seat and listen to what you know we, we're telling him that's we've either we've done or we're doing and those sort of things, and it just gives gives him that wider picture. And those meetings are always great meetings, aren't they, Mark? <clears throat> we always come away from from those be it Zoom meetings at the moment, but um, come away with a nugget. There's always a nugget we take away that we're just taking the efficiency of what we do just 1% closer, you know, to the objective. And it's just just wonderful. And, you know, quarterly, it's probably about the right sort of timing, to be honest, because it's given us enough time to get implement what is, you know, maybe things that is he's suggested to us the prior quarter. You know, we've had kind of that period to implement it and all there's so many other things that have come up as well so you know just just that connection every quarter works really well for us and uh, as i say it gets us more and more efficient every time we uh, get off the, the phone from him so it's really good absolutely we've just had an example of that haven't we uh, we're actually recording this uh, this podcast episode uh, live in in april so we've just got to the end of the tax year um, and for probably the six months before, we were looking at where are we going with our employer contributions, our, our pension contributions. 
looking at our tax position, looking at our potential corporation tax exposure, looking at how we structure assets um, and looking at acquiring assets with capital allowances and how we can offset income tax or corporation tax in in accordance with HMRC guidelines and rules. And we need experience and support from our, our legal and accountancy team to do that. Now, that's fantastic. I mean, Nigel and I are so aligned in, in what we do. Are you aligned with your potential joint venture partner? One joint venture partner might have absolutely no cash flow whatsoever and need to put tea on the table. And that's a very focal point for them. The other joint venture, potential joint venture partner might have plenty of cash flow and might actually be more relaxed and, and, and more determined on long-term capital growth. Mm-hmm. So are the risk and reward profiles, are they aligned in the short term and indeed in the long term? Yeah. So that's C. So the second of covered, C-O-V-E-R-E-D, is O, opportunity. So there is a reason why you're going to be embracing somebody else. You've, you've come together, you've seen something different in somebody else, you've seen maybe an opportunity that's uh, been created. So what is that opportunity? What is that scope of works, that field of operation? And I think what we've seen over the years is that quite often you just see the tip of the, the iceberg, that, that idea. Um, Somebody asked me earlier on what my wealth dynamic uh, profile is. I'm a star creator, so I tend to be quite quite visual and like to you know, see that twinkling inkling of a, a little idea. Um, maybe I'm not the, the best person in terms of the detail later on down the line, and it's understanding where you kind of play best in the, in the system that you create. So understanding what this combined opportunity is that you're, you're seeking – and putting a, a frame around it, you know, what is the ecosystem of, of that business now and what could it be? So you've really framed that that scope. And there are lots of opportunities. And I think that's why we see so many people out there um, in property, because property is so diverse, isn't it? It's a vehicle to get you to a better place. Um, cash flow, capital growth, ways of adding value. Um, and many other strategies that maybe necessarily aren't property-centric, but are more service-related businesses. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think the world of entrepreneurship really does embrace joint ventures very well, although probably sometimes it doesn't execute them very well, Nigel. Indeed, indeed. No, that, that's that's right, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, the opportunities that are there, it is, it's such a shame because we do see it from time to time that, they fall away because of circumstances. You know, um, if it's one person just can't, you know, just can't progress through an opportunity. But had there been a, you know, a second person there to maybe support, bring something that was missing, you know, that opportunity could have been uh, realised and, and moved on. But, uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, that is one of the the beauties of joint ventures, isn't it? That uh, you, you can make things happen. So. Yep, certainly is. Um, the next uh, one in covered is the values. Have you got alignment of values? I mean, Nigel spoke about that right at the front. And something that Nigel and I um, really gained, um, I think, going back to the 90s, Nigel, when we first met, um, the thing that brought us together, certainly from my perspective, was um, was respect. Yeah. 
mm. you know, re- respect shines really bright and true in, in you. And I think that's probably due, um, due to your upbringing and, uh, you know, martial arts. Uh, you, you spent a, a long time in martial arts. And that that respect really brought us together. And that's kind of irrelevant to business. That's about life, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, respect for each other and everybody around you, quite frankly, is is some of our highest values. And, uh, you know, that that's held true through all these years. And, uh, you know, if you respect, you get respect back. I mean, that's certainly the theory. And that's what you would expect. But um, yeah, just just operate in a very professional manner. Be respectful, you know. Be be conscious of other people's needs, wants, troubles, and um, and just incorporate it into you know into what you're doing um, as as part of ventures moving forward. So it's 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 a real. It's probably one of the biggest. As you say, my my background, my, you know, my parents instilled that into me. My uh, many tens of years in, you know, high level international kind of martial arts training and, and fighting and, you know, competing and all those sorts of things. And that was one of the highest principles of respect, you know, for each other and, and what have you. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fundamental part of life. And, uh, and it, so it should be in business as well. It was, um, it was interesting, wasn't it? Back in 2002, um, we started a, a business together and uh, I remember the the PLC director pulled us both to one side, didn't he? And uh, he said, "Look, this is fantastic. You've signed your shareholder agreement, and we owned a significant part of the of the business at that time, didn't we?" And uh, and he said, "I'd just like to give you one piece of advice." He said, uh, "Look, you've got a great background, great track record. You're going to make a real success. I can just feel the momentum of this business." But as you grow the business, you're going to be growing the team associated with it. So just one piece of advice, no wankers. And we don't swear very often, but that one, that really resonated with us, didn't we? Life's yeah. too too short to, um, again, you know who you are, uh, <laughs> too, too short to, uh, to be working with people who, quite frankly, are just too hard work. Um, and uh, it's just a joy, isn't it, to have that freedom yeah. of choice to, of yeah. who you work with. So apology for the multilingual uh, <laughs> language there, but um, yeah, I think it really does resonate. And yeah. and if it doesn't feel right, if the values don't feel right, you know, one of the, we talk about due diligence a lot, but one of the key parts of due diligence is listening to your gut as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, that particular individual, we clearly won't mention names, but, uh, you know, I, I reflect another conversation and this, I think this was probably the second meeting that we'd had with him. And it was, it was over at the PLC headquarters, middle of nowhere, you know, it was actually a farm at the time. And um, we went along there and, you know, the knees were knocking. It, it was for, it, it was for us to present to him you know, a formal presentation of our business plan for him to kind of, we get to the end of that process and for him to say yes or no, we'd spent endless hours tweaking the slides and doing the analytics and all that sort of, it was a wonderful presentation. And um, he insisted on having a, a paper copy of it as well. So he could flick through as well as we were presenting and all this sort of thing. Anyway, we, <laughs> we, t- we turned up at the uh, the office and uh, we sat in reception and his secretary came down and took us, took us into his room, which was all 
you know, oak panelled. It was beautiful room, you know, very, very plush carpet. And, and we sat in a, a row of seats in front of him. And, and on his desk, he had the presentation, you know, it was there, which essentially was the business plan. And he, he looked us in the eyes and he, he, he looked down at the, this, this document and he picked it up and he just threw it in the bin. <laughs> and we all looked at each other and thought, oh my goodness, that's it. He's obviously not happy. And he, he sort of leaned forward in his seat and he leaned forward and he said, uh, guys, I'm not interested in your business plan. I'm interested in you. And, and that was the start of the meeting. You know, I'm interested in you. So tell me about you. Tell me about your family. Tell me about me. Tell me about your values. Tell me about your parents. You know, all the and that's all he wanted to know. You know, and it was just it was an absolute shocker. And but, you know, at the time, you know, we thought, oh my god, we've, we've that's it, we're out. You know, that's it, we're never going to pass go here. But but it was really again a, an individual that just had different values of the people he was bringing into his business. And, um, you know, kind of the business plan was a given, you know, as he portrayed to us afterwards, it was a given. The fact you're in front of me is the fact that you can deliver. I just want to know about you. And I thought that was wonderful. You know, that's a great principle. And as as life turned out, it became very much a people business, didn't it? And in fact, all of our businesses now are people orientated businesses, aren't they? No, great, great story, that one. Love that. Um, so the next one, E in covered, is end outcomes. So this is about alignment of vision. This is about alignment of the end outcomes. Have you all got the same outcomes? Um, I was asked to be uh, an ind- intermediary uh, quite a number of years ago with uh, a, a situation that was becoming a bit of a dispute where two people had joined forces um, to create this portfolio. And this portfolio of property is going to be quite intensive. It's going to be a lot of manual work, um, and both parties agreed they would do that. And then very shortly after, a few months after, one of the parties decided to, to move a, a significant distance away, meaning they couldn't actually put their put the elbow grease into the into the development. So there's a fundamental shift, and this only happened a few months after they decided to do this long-term, many, many year uh, portfolio together. So, you know, really being honest um, and open with each other and working out what the end outcomes are. Is that cash flow? How are you going to get your returns? Is that going to be in salary terms? Is it going to be in dividend terms? Uh, How do you best structure it? Who's going to put the time and effort and energy into it? So end outcomes, hugely important. Is it a short-term, 18 months, two-year development, then we close the company, everybody gets their return, or is this a long-term service-based business or product-based business? The R in covered is returns. So as I've just said, what are those very specific returns? Now, in this area, you'd also cover that creation of shared value, which you know we're incredibly passionate about. Um, But what are the returns for the shareholders? What is the plan? And this comes down to a business plan, a set of economics, uh, and those returns. And that will include inputs and and outputs. Always important, um, Nigel, we we come up with the ideas, but we also enshrine the details into a, a financial plan, don't we? It's got to boil down to numbers as well. Sustainability starts at, at economic sustainability as well. 
Um, so those returns incredibly important and very much a case of start with the end in mind. You know, you enshrine the detail on the way in, knowing that it'll, it'll evolve over time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, efficiency as well. So we, you know, the inspiration can come, come from within absolutely. And we, you know, we have quite an abundance of that, but, um, it's really important to do, just do the checks and balances with your professional team. Uh, just tell them what you're thinking. You know, you've got to keep between those parallel lines of compliance uh, and so on and so forth. So just just checking in with them, and indeed, they may have some other views that they could they could input into this this opportunity that makes it more efficient. So the outturn is a lot greater if you do something slightly different. It could be structure, it could be approach, it could be these sort of things. So it's so really important to share as you're going in, just to make sure you've got the the most efficient structure um, in place. Definitely. So the E in covered, C-O-V-E-R-E-D, E is experience. So what is the experience of the parties that want to become joint venture part- partners? And the experience, the, the roles, the equitability between those roles. I mean, that's so important, Nigel. We named our entire brand Equa after that equitability um between all parties it's right at the heart of that creation of shared value so the track record the experience the experience that parties bring to bear the resourcefulness and um and what roles each party play it's incredibly important i think you'd agree definitely and then the d duration so duration how long is this intended to be for can't stress this enough. Um, is this a long term? Are you holding assets for the long term? Are you developing a, a service based business? Is this what? What's the exit strategy for this business? Is it to build the business and then then uh, uh, sell it in three to five years? And we we did that. We sold our stake in our business. We invested and created a business from scratch with a significant proportion of equity in 2002. And we sold the business uh, five to six years later, just before the financial crash, wasn't it, Nigel? We'd like to say that was great timing, but we we hadn't quite planned it like that. But it was it, it, it worked out very well in 2008. So you know, over that window, um, we we built a business, and the objective was to sell that business at the end, sell the shareholding, um, which worked incredibly well. So what is your strategy for your exit? Is it a development? Is it defined outcomes? What are the tax implications of doing that? What are those series of mechanics? Who's going to invest? How? Um, So duration is incredibly important. And with duration also comes time as well. And you might consider the age group of of the of the joint venture parties. Mm. If this is going to be a, a ten to twenty year program, mm. and you're going to build a business and run the business for cash flow, and it's going to take an even amount of resource, um, and you're in your twenties and somebody else is in their fifties, mm. is there alignment of, of of value there? Is the alignment of time that you want to spend? There could well be. But I'm just saying, with age comes different levels of of appetite, possibly as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That that particular um, business venture you you referred to, Mark, in 2002 was was a fantastic example of 
you know, starting with the end in mind. I mean, it was it was locked into time. Okay, so it was it was very clear in terms of the the journey. Um, it was very clear in terms of the methodology evaluation at the end as well. So we actually went into the um, the joint venture with a with a mechanism of revaluation at a point in time. So it was very clear. It wasn't up for debate. It was clear, agreed to right at the beginning, and it pretty much followed true to its word, didn't it? You know, each um, every year that went by, we would you know we were focusing on the what had been agreed at the, the front end to optimize indeed the mechanism of valuation on the back end. And, um, but yeah, I think that that whole, that whole process, I think was a, was a, f- a fantastic and it, it's been, it's been created, you know, the creator of that, that mechanism and, and been around for probably 50 or 60 years, you know, and, and you know, we obviously locked into that and learned a, a huge amount from it, you know, how to create the joint venture, the strategy, the heads of terms, the structure, the, you know the articles of association, the shareholders' agreements, all these sort of aspects that were all there right on day one. So there was no debate because if because if if the you know the detail isn't there, unfortunately that just creates debate, doesn't it? Debate can move into arguments. Arguments can music move into a deadlock situation. All these sort of aspects. Get it off the table. Put it into a, a document that you all agree at the outset. And just drive your business. You know that almost sits in the drawer. You know, never, never to come out again unless it's the point you want to implement. But uh, yeah, get it just all out on the table and get it set up professionally. And just avoid disputes. And we, uh, dispute is a distraction, isn't it? You know, uh, it, it is. And and they, the the dilution in your effort. You know, it weighs on your mind. Massive. You know, night and day if you don't get it right and. How do you approach a subject? How do you how do you challenge somebody about something that isn't going right? How do you work with them? Um, and that's that's what we've been involved in, you know. And, and I guess that's probably why we're fairly calm under pressure because we've we've been involved in very high pressure situations before yep. um, to try and resolve. And we've seen how different people's reactions. Some people get angry. Some people. Mm-hmm. It's tears. Some people lie. Some people just disappear off the face of the earth for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, all different kinds of ways of approaching. Some people kind of take the phrase "man up" and just are there to right. Okay, that's in the past. It's gone wrong. How do we solve the problem? Yeah. Um, some people kind of rush into a burning building, and you know, there's all kinds of ways you've got to protect people, help people, support people, mm-hmm. uh, and harness and challenge the energy in a, a very constructive way. Indeed. So that has been that has been a very quick run through of covered, you know, the, uh, an acronym there that will help you to structure and and understand whether a joint venture approach is right for you. So covered, we've got C for contracts and structure. We've got O for opportunity, V for values, E for end outcomes, R for returns. E for experience, roles and equality, and D for duration and time. So I'm sure you'll find that very helpful. And if you do want additional support um, for this, Nigel and I are here to help you. We help many people through our Equimentorship program. I've put a link in the chat box for those of you listening here live. Um, if you want to go to Equa Academy, E-Q-U-A, 
academy.co.uk. You'll find more details on how we can help you and book a call. Reach out to us. Happy to have a call uh, with you. Spend some time and explore what great looks like to you. And I think that's a brilliant phrase that I heard Nigel say many, many years ago. You know, really understand what great looks like to somebody else and how you can form great values and, and relationships there. We'd be more than happy to discuss equimentorship and see if it's right for you. So reach out, have a chat. And uh, Nigel, that brings us to the end of yet another very, very dynamic episode. Really enjoyed that. Joint ventures are close to, to our hearts. We do many of them and, uh, and they've been really successful for us, but because we've followed a clear system there. Absolutely. Done, done in the right way. They, they are, I would say, second to none. I think that is, uh, that is fair to say. And, you know, you can open up so much opportunities. Everything's life-changing, you know. And as I say, just, just you know, pull together in the right way and, you know, with the same values, moving forward into some, some great opportunities. It, it can be absolutely wondrous. And, um, you know, I'd urge everybody to, to consider it. I have a feeling we might be revisiting this episode and doing a, a second uh, a second discussion on joint ventures, looking at yeah. some of the comments that have come in. So uh, that will be for another day, maybe in a few months' time. But uh, thank you all once again for, for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Go to equacademy.co.uk and find out a bit more about what we do and how we can work together. So, Nigel. Thanks as always, you know, 23, 24 years as a joint venture partner. Every day is a pleasure. And uh, on to our next deal. Indeed. Have a great day. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.